The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. David Eicholt, Sean Bach here for HawkeyeInsider.com. A new season of the Swarmcast, a new season for Iowa football. It's been an eventful offseason. It's been a very fun summer for, for me, at least. It's been nice to kind of get away and do some different things, but I, I'm really excited for this season, Sean. I, I don't know where your head's at, but this might be the most excited I've been since I started covering this beat. I think there are so many interesting storylines. We're going to dive into that. But yeah, Sean, how are you? How are you? Uh, how are you kind of feeling about everything? Yeah, no, things are things are going well, Dave. Um, obviously, you know the summer can get kind of slow at times, and you obviously see that with interaction on Twitter and you know everywhere else. But yeah, I mean, for the next couple of months, it's just going to be full, you know, foot foot on the gas pedal. There's going to be nonstop stuff, and you know, obviously, this summer was a bit, you know, June and parts of July were pretty busy with recruiting stuff, but. You know, that's as to be expected. But, yeah, I mean, it, this season's going to be interesting. Like you said, a lot of fascinating storylines, obviously, with, you know, Kay McNamara, the offense, how that whole thing's going to evolve, the offensive line, newcomers, um, guys on defense. I know they didn't really bring in a lot of newcomers on defense besides Nick Jackson, but there are guys that are stepping up at other spots. So, and it being the last year of the Big Ten West, you know, that makes it even that much more important to, you know, take home take home that championship and, you know, go to Indianapolis. So it's going to be a uh, an interesting season, that's for sure. There's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, like I said, I think this is going to be the most interesting season, at least from a writer's perspective, since I started covering the beat. Maybe the first year for me because it was so new. But just with everything going on in college athletics and, and all the realignment with the portal, with NIL, I think there's a ton of storylines. But, Sean, I want to start by just talking about Big Ten Media Day. You and I haven't podcasted since Big Ten Media Day. I think it's important we at least hit on some of the topics. And while the gambling investigation, I think, really took a lot of attention from the Iowa side of things, we're going to touch on that. But if people want more interaction regarding that, just go to the Hawkeye Insider VIP message board for that by the way 75 percent off hawkeye insider uh seven cents a day you can get that until 11 p.m thursday august 3rd so hop on board all-time high subscribers it's been awesome to watch grow but sean let's go back to like i said big 10 media day the one thing that really stood out to me let's start here i was very surprised how much kirk ferentz raved about the offensive line and how excited he was about the offensive line obviously We've been talking behind the scenes with people throughout the offseason. I think this has been a common theme that Kirk does feel pretty good about where the offensive line's potential is. He feels there's a lot of maturity in the room now, and not because of Rusty Feth or John Parker, the new transfers, but just experienced guys that can really elevate their game. And he reaffirmed his belief in George Barnett. And if Kirk's confident about the offensive line, I think he's pretty confident about where this offense could go. But did the offensive line talk surprise you at all? I mean, yes and no. I think, you know, in talking to other people around the program and inside the program about this offensive line group, I mean, 
not totally surprised by it. I think there are, you know, a couple of questions that they still need to be answered. I think, you know, you have the left tackle spot locked in with Mason Richmond. You have Logan Jones, who I know, you know, struggled last year, but it's like, you think about it, Tyler Linderbaum's year, looking back on it, his first year at center, he had a couple of guys around him that were pretty experienced at those other tackle positions and at the guard spots, while Jones didn't really have that. So I think that, you know, kind of opened up a couple of, uh, you know, issues throughout the course of the year. And, you know, with, with Jones, I think, you know, Iowa, from what I've been told, they've always been super high on him. Obviously he's got the weight room records, you know, he's a yeah. really good high school player, um, has shown in practice some of the things they can do as an athlete. And, you know, Michael Jr. highlighted him a couple of days ago, too, as a, you know, potential breakout guy. And, you know, all the athletic traits are there. You know, the intangibles are there. Technique stuff, you know, playing center is a totally different thing. You know, you, you got to yeah. know the cadences. You got to call out, you know, different shifts on the defensive line, you know, um, at linebacker spots, too. There's so much that goes into it. Um, and, you know, that was Jones's first year doing it at the highest level. So, yes, there were struggles, but to see what he did, you know, and how he, you know, kind of got better throughout the course of the year, certainly promising. Now he's got to do it again this year and really grow on it. But, you know, there's a lot of optimism about that and, you know, how he can, uh, how he can, you know, continue to raise that bar. But, you know, talking about offensive line as a whole, I'm not overly surprised because, you expect these types of guys to make that jump after one year. And, you know, Kirk Kirk said, like, yeah, you know, we like to see where we're at. Like, we've definitely improved. But there's still a point that we have to reach. And, you know, that might be coach speak. But I think there is just a lot more optimism from the inside and outside the program right now than there was last season. And, you know, I think people didn't really want to wrap their head around it last year that this group might have struggled, especially with the injuries. And that's another thing, too. Like, you have to stay healthy in fall camp. Yeah, Staying healthy in fall camp is vital. And that's going to probably be a key for this group, too. I mean, Iowa struggled with injuries throughout the past couple of seasons. I feel like the soft tissue injuries have been a huge issue. And, you know, talking to Kirk at Media Day, one thing that really stood out to me was he couldn't recall any injuries heading into fall camp, at least from the two-deep side. And I think that's a very, very good sign Going forward, and he called, he said Logan Jones is going to be a remarkable player. As you mentioned, I think he has outstanding strength. I think he has all the athletic tools. And I think the expectations were way too high for him last year. I mean, you think about Tyler Linderbaum, who he took over for. All of the parallels were there, right? Sick number 65, defensive tackle, great wrestler. Switching to offensive line. Can he continue the tradition? Like I expect a huge jump in his game. And I remember talking to Logan in the spring and he said, yeah, you know, the first game of the year came around and he said, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I think that spoke volumes to me at least, Sean. And, you know, think about guys like Jennings Dunker. I'm curious what Di John Parker is going to do. Remember he only practiced one day in spring practice after transferring from Saginaw Valley state because he had an injury. Can he break out and break into that 2D for potential starting role? Rusty Feth, who is the most Iowa-looking lineman I've ever seen in my entire life. He looks like he's pulled out straight out of Game of Thrones or a mountain man or something. I'm really excited about what he can bring to the table. And then Connor Colby. I mean, 24 starts if they hold him at offensive guard, which sounds like they're going to. I think he can get back on track and have a really nice year. Mason Richmond, a guy like you go across the line, Sean, 
Kirk said about eight to nine guys could be potentially going for the starter role. And it'll be really interesting to kind of watch that going forward. And another thing that really stood out to me is every time we've talked to Brian, he said, you know, we're going to do the same thing, but better, et cetera. But then you think back about what Luke Lachey said at Big Ten Media Days. I'm, I'm excited about the changes that Brian's brought. You think about talking to Cade McNamara. He said, yeah, you know, he's going to let us air it out more. I like the changes. So is Brian just sort of cooling down the temperature about what changes to expect? Or is Iowa's playbook going to be just more opened up because of the personnel? And I think that's something that's kind of might be worth watching because Brian, let's face it, Sean, Brian's play calling was not good last year, but you look at the personnel they had and all the problems, there really wasn't a lot they could call, if that makes sense. Like, I still think it's going to be the same Iowa football, but I think the personnel's there that they're going to be able to do a lot of different type of things. Yeah, definitely. The personnel is going to be the major, the major key for that. They have a guy, they have a quarterback that can move a little bit, a little more experienced offensive line. Wide receivers are, you know, you know, it's still a question mark. Obviously, having adding Caleb Brown is huge, but he's only had one catch in college, and he yeah. played in you know five games. So you know, there's still there's still things that need to be answered there, but yeah, I mean, when you have that personnel improvement and, you know, having a mobile quarterback is going to be, I mean, Cade's not a total, like, you know, vertical guy, like a Michael Vick guy who's going to run across the field, but he can move around in the pocket a little bit and that can open up a lot of doors for an offense. And I think one thing that was kind of funny too, when we were talking to, or you guys were talking to Brian, I wasn't there at this presser when you guys were talking to him, and people were making a big deal about him saying, you know, we're not going to make any changes. Like, you know, we're, we're doing how we do it. It's yeah. like, what's a coach going to say? Yeah, we're going to, you know, throw the ball downfield a lot more. It's like, the hell? Like, of course he's not going to say stuff yeah. like that. Like, you know, some do. But, you know, knowing Brian and knowing this program, you know, they're not, they're not going to reveal what they want to do. And, you know, I think there will be changes. But, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of the same things, too. That I think Iowa will be able to execute better this year um, with better personnel as opposed to last year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that's a thing. The thing that I, and I wrote about this a couple of different times, Sean, I think the big thing is they need to get Caleb Johnson going on the ground. I think he could be a breakout guy. 24 seven sports is Brad Crawford said that he's probably one of the more underhyped or underappreciated players hanging into the season. And I agree. I just think that, you know, if Iowa's offensive line's better and if the Big Ten wasn't so low at running back, we'd be talking about Caleb Johnson a lot more. Get Caleb Johnson going on the ground. And I really think if Iowa can get back to that old sort of play action, which has led to a lot of explosive plays throughout the year, I think that's going to be enough just to keep the defense on its heels. And that's going to be something I'm looking for, especially early on against Utah State, against an Iowa State, right? I, if they That's what they need to sort of establish and, that, and like you've said about Caleb Brown, I mean, I've heard outstanding things about him behind the scenes. Cade's kind of raved about him when we've asked about him. You were at that press conference. And Luke Lachey and a couple other people just said, yeah, he just brings a different element. And the thing that continues to kind of reach my ears, talking to various sources, Sean, I wrote this in my sources, says it's his maturity. And it's about the fact that he just wants to work. I mean, he, this isn't a guy that really doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to be in the limelight, doesn't get self-absorbed into it. He just wants to go out and be the best version of himself. And the way he's operating within the new program is exactly what Iowa wants out of him. And I think that's a big deal as well. Flipping over the defense, Sean, uh, 
something that really caught my ear listening to Kirk talk for, you know, what, 35, 40 minutes or whatever it was. He was very excited about Nick Jackson, the Virginia linebacker transfer. And he said, look, I'm not saying he's going to be Jack Campbell. I'm not saying he won't be Jack Campbell, but he just said the way Nick Jackson is coming to the Iowa's program and really, again, absorbed the culture, got to know the teammates, has earned respect. I mean, it's very apparent to me, Sean, that Nick Jackson is going to be a leader on this Iowa defense. And I talked about the way his games evolved, or at least what I've watched of him on tape. I think it's going to be a seamless plug plug and play for him. I, I think he has a chance to be an all Big Ten caliber linebacker. And Kirk, again, was just very, very excited. And it was when I asked him about the transfer portal. He said it was just so easy getting you know his parents. This is a guy who's been around the block in college football, knew what he was looking for. And again, I think Kirk and them are going to continue to explore the transfer portal. But I also think it's just more about fit than anything else. And this is where Kirk, you know, I think this cycle has really sort of changed Kirk's outlook on the portal. And I think that could be critical going forward. But again, to me, Nick Jackson, he's going to play a significant, significant role in this Iowa defense. Yeah, Jay, Jay Higgins can get along with anybody. That's just his personality. But to see, you know, those guys become best friends already, like I know that's not, you know, something that's breaking or something that's crazy. But, you know, to see those guys form that relationship that they already have, you know, off the field is, is really encouraging because that's kind of how Seth Benson and Jack Campbell were when those guys, you know, were playing. They were They were, I mean, they're different dudes, but – you know, they were pretty tight with each other off the field. And, you know, that can kind of go – that can go a long way. And I think their skill sets really complement each other well. You know, I'm interested to see – obviously, Nick can play the middle linebacker spot. That's where we kind of project him to play. That's where he played at Virginia. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see how much they really use him, you know, in pass rush situations because that was kind of a – that was a strength of his at Virginia. He was – he was really good at getting to the pass, you know, getting around those blocks, getting around the outside, getting off the edge, and, you know, doing those doing those types of rushes and even hitting, you know, ball carriers in the gaps and other quarterbacks in the gaps too. But he's a, he's a really – he can get into the backfield really well. And, you know, he's pretty solid in coverage too. Um, but I'm just interested to see, you know, how that dynamic kind of works with those two dudes. I'm assuming Nick is going to stay at the mic while, you know, Jay probably stays at the will. Yeah. While, you know, Kyle Fisher's probably going to be at the Leo. And you can put Jackson Rexroth or Carson Sherrard at the Leo too. But, you know, that, that, that combination, I'm very fascinated to see, you know, how those two kind of work together. Because obviously we know Jay, he's a guy that can, you know, has a nose for the football. I mean, he was <clears throat> one of the top tacklers in the country coming out of high school for a reason. Granted, you know, that was kind of his thing in high school was just, like, bring down anyone who gets the ball and, you know, not really stay in your keys and stuff like that. But he's kind of working to stay more in his keys and, you know, more disciplined in that way. But, yeah, I'm really fascinated to see, you know, how that works. I'm going to assume that Jackson is going to stay at Mike. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a little bit of a flip-flop. I know when we ask Seth Wallace at Media Day next week, he's going to say that he wants his linebackers to, you know, play – play different roles and play different spots, wants him to know all three spots. But, you know, with this group, I think there might be, might be some, uh, um, you know, real, I guess, you know, combination that we see from them. Sure. So, yeah, like I said, Big Ten Media has revolved a lot about the gambling stuff. The thing that is interesting to me, Sean, I do want to touch on this quickly before we get to our other part of the podcast I'm really excited for. 
it, it was interesting to me that Kurt gave the nod to Noah Shannon to be the Big Ten, one of the Big Ten Media Days representatives for Iowa. And it was even more intriguing to me that Noah decided to voluntarily step away. And he said, I'm being investigated. I don't feel it's my place to be able to do that. And that was at the time a huge bombshell uh, to the public, at least, because that was the first time I, I believe the first Iowa or Iowa State athlete to actually have their name out there. Am I am I mistaken? I, I think it was uh I think he was the first name officially out. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it, again, it, it's interesting from this. And again, Noah Shan has not been criminally charged. There have been seven athletes from Iowa, Iowa State, former and current athletes have been charged criminally. Noah Shan has not. We do not know if Noah Shan is going to be suspended at this point. That's unclear. But I do want to explore this defensive line room, Sean. I mean, there are so many guys. I think if, if, if Noah Shannon does get suspended, and I hate playing the what-if game, but Iowa has a lot of different guys in that defensive line room that could step up. And I'll tell you, dude, from watching the, the videos over the summer, even yesterday, you know who got even scarier? It's Aaron Graves. Aaron Graves looks like an absolute monster right now. I believe he gained 20 pounds this offseason. I didn't know how much more weight they could have packed on his frame. But if he gets some significant snaps this year, he could be the, this year's Lucas Van Ness. Not start a game and be an all-conference caliber guy. Like, he has that sort of upside. It's been really, really interesting. So if Noah Shannon does indeed miss some time, again, we do not know. Aaron Graves has to get the nod if he has a big fall because I'm really, really excited to watch him play. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Yeah, I actually put together a defensive line primer um, that I'll have out either tonight or tomorrow on the site. And, yeah, I mean, and the thing that's weird that's different about Aaron is that, you know, he can play on the edge, but he'll probably stay on the interior, though, you know, Calvin Bell likes his guys to be versatile. Um so that's going to be that's going to be interesting to you know see how that how that process works with with those two um you know with Graves and you know to see if he where he kind of fits best but it'll probably be on the interior but yeah i mean it depends on what site you look at um because it has all these sack numbers different but he was i think like 7th or 8th on the team in sacks last year yeah and he didn't play a lot of snaps like he played a decent amount of snaps, but he didn't play a lot of snaps. I so, think he was 205, I'm, I want to say. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. And I think he had like five or six snaps, you know, which is which is not bad, especially for a defensive tackle. But I think he was up there when it came to tackles for a loss. So, you know, he's getting the guys. He's getting to the quarterback. He's getting in the backfield. You know, there's a number of things that he can do. He's got some good twitch on him. You know, he's strong too. And, you know, it's really important to have that third defensive tackle in a rotation and you know with Yahweh Black you know obviously injuries have kind of hindered him throughout his career you know the expectation is he'll be good for fall camp and obviously as Kirk mentioned nothing significant on the two deep so he should be good but it's just a matter of staying healthy 
But I mean, man, if Graves continues to elevate, then, you know, there's definitely a definitely a good opportunity for him to take over that third defensive tackle spot. And, you know, like you mentioned with Shannon too, potentially to be elevated in the starting lineup, that would be, that would be something. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that defensive line room, I think is going to be scary. I think Kelvin Bell and Jay Neiman have done a really nice job of filling, filling out with a bunch of versatile players, a lot of upside with a lot of them and just proving guys. We have Joe Evans back who could end up being a guy that goes down as the top five most sacks in school history etc but sean i'm really excited for this i do want to do a, a mini sort of draft as you will where we pick our five breakout players or players to watch in fall camp now breakout players a guy that just exceeds expectations or or just moves up the depth chart or is just set to explode this upcoming season I, i'm really excited for this sean i i will give you the starting nod and we'll just go back and forth we're gonna go five players each offense defense special teams it does not matter, uh, but Sean, I'll give you the I'll give you the torch if you want to start us off. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> you know, let's just stick with the defensive line. Actually, let's go. Let's go to the secondary. Let's go Xavier Wampo with the first pick for me. Nice. I'll go nice. with that. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a layup because he's going to have starting snaps this year. Um but I'll go with him in the first pick. Are we doing stake draft? So I get the first. So we'll do. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go back. Yeah. Just back, just go back and forth. That's fine. That's fine by me. So, I'll, so, I'll snake draft. so you'll get, so I get this pick, then you get two picks in a row. Then I get two picks in a row. Then you get two picks in a row. No, let's just go one, 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 one. I think okay. that's probably the safer right. way to do it. No, interesting, Sean. I, I was thinking about taking Xavier Wampa first, so I, I was curious if you were going to say he was a breakout or if it was kind of a layup. I didn't know if you'd uh, if that would be an oversight I mean, for you. I think he's a breakout because, I mean, obviously he played on special teams, but oh, totally. I think, yeah, but he's only he only started one game, and, you know, obviously yeah. that, that one game left a good taste in a lot of people's mouths, so. Pick six, man. That was uh, yep. it was just the most Xavier Wampa sort of thing ever. You know, if people follow his high school career. I think I think we kind of had a feeling he was going to do something in that game as well. Look, I'm going to go with the obvious one then. I was going to go with Xavier Wampa if I decided to take that first pick. I'm going to go Caleb Brown. I know, very easy layup. Uh, but Cade McNamara is excited about him, and he did not come to Iowa to sit on the bench. He's not on Iowa's too deep. Kirk Ferentz explained during media days that's because he hadn't seen him play in person and it's not like a nick jackson where he has years of film right and and proven college production but caleb brown i expect to be iowa's number one wide receiver by week two or week three maybe at the end of the month maybe week four it'll be be between him and nico uh regani but i'm gonna go caleb brown i i i think he's poised to really really have a solid fall camp and if he can piece it together i think we'll see him starting week one yeah, I'm going to go with with the third pick, my second pick. I'm going to go with Graves. I mean, we talked about him before. Yeah. I just think, you know, being in Iowa, in Kellen Bell's defensive line room, you know, he's going to find a way to deliver. All right, so for my second pick, the fourth overall. Again, I maybe this is kind of a cheat code, but I'm going to go Logan Jones. I'm, I'm buying stock into him. I know people were upset with his snap timing. We've already touched on him a little bit in this podcast, but I really think Logan Jones, if with a strong fall camp, I think you could see the greatest jump from him in terms of player by player. 
Uh, he's got all the physical tools. I think he's got good chemistry with Cade McNamara. Obviously, the rest of the offensive line has to hold up. But I, I think we're going to see a totally different Logan Jones this fall. I'm expecting pretty big things from him. Okay, with my third pick, between a couple guys here. Would Deontay Craig qualify? If you think he's get elevated his game, that's the thing. A breakout player could be he performed yeah, last he, year, but I he's really he, going to ball I out this year. I just think he's going into a bigger role. And, you know, I think he could have similar numbers, but I think let's go with TJ Hall. I'm going to okay. go with him as that third that third cornerback. I, You know, Iowa was really high on him. You know, I heard from a couple of people that there was a lot of belief that he could be the uh, – he would be the first true freshman from last year. You know, the first true freshman last year on the depth chart, and that's even before Xavier. So I'm going to put him on there. I like that. I think that's a, I think it's a really good sneaky pick. Uh, and I'm with you. I think TJ Hall can emerge as that three. And this is not my pick, but I'm also going to keep a close eye on Cohen Entringer. I mean, I, I think he's really, really going to be a solid player uh, for Iowa. My third guy, you know what, Sean? I, I'm going to stick with the offense. Uh, I'm going to go Deontay Vines. I think he struggled with injuries throughout his career. I think he showcased himself well last year at 10 catches. But this is a guy that wants to stretch the field. And if he can stay healthy, I, I really think he could – at least help give Iowa more of a perimeter threat. I think he's got the speed and shiftiness to be able to make some things happen. And uh, if he stays healthy throughout fall camp, I think we're going to see a nice little jump in production from him. And uh, yeah, I, th I think Cade's going to find him on some good routes this year. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Deontay Vines. Okay. For my pick, I'm going to go first pick of the fourth round. I'm going to go with LaShawn Williams. I feel like I should go with an offensive guy. Um, you know, I really liked what I saw from LaShawn. Obviously, you know, he's kind of been that secondary guy for the last couple of years and never really got, you know, his his shot as a starter. And obviously, I think that, you know, Kirk, I think Caleb Johnson is going to take over, you know, the main carries. But I think one thing from, you know, giving Iowa Caleb Johnson more carries is LaShawn Williams because I think he's shown a lot, you know, with the wiggle that he has and, you know, just how elusive he is and, you know, he's, he's had a really good spring. I remember Kirk mentioning that during Big Ten media days. He had a really good spring, and we saw it in the uh, in the practice, too. So I'm going to go with LaShawn. So you asked earlier about Deontay Craig. I said it counted. This is one that's not similar to Deontay Craig, but I think he can be poised for a huge year, especially given his role. I'm going to go with arguably the star of the uh, – of Iowa's bowl game. I'm going to go Sebastian Castro. I, I think Castro put together a great performance against Kentucky, especially in that first quarter, had that great third down stick forced a fourth down. I believe uh, the next drive, he broke up a very, very deep pass play. I think Castro is kind of weighed in the shadows a little bit. I think his role is going to dramatically increase. And I think he's going to make some plays for Iowa this fall. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Sebastian Castro with my fourth. For the last, for my last pick, <clears throat> little back and forth on this one. I'm gonna stick with the offense, but hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. See, I'm between two offensive linemen. Okay, that's where that's what's tough for me. <sighs> I think I think if I know Jennings you're, you're Stunker, between. 
Yeah. I was going to say, if James Dunker can stay healthy, then he's going to be – I think he's a steal as that fifth pick. Yeah. My fifth pick. Nick DeYoung, obviously Kirk's talks so well, so much about him and that he can play inside and outside. I think that's going to be valuable for Iowa. Like I said, though, he needs to stay healthy too. Um, you know, let's go, let's go. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Kirk's comments here. I'm going to ride with Kirk and say Nick DeYoung. Okay. I just feel like he's talked about him too much for me, for us to gloss over him. Sure. I feel like Kirk's talked about him just so much, you know, just to gloss over him. And, you know, I think he, I, I think I'll go with him. I don't hate the pick. And like you said, you could almost just look at a bunch of different offensive linemen. And I don't think anybody would give you crap about it. like you could say Connor Colby because he did not end the year strong. You could say Mason Richmond, right? In terms of they're really about to break out and have a really, really big year. I'm between a couple people myself in this in this last pick. Uh because I, I like Logan Lee, but I also think Logan Lee's established himself enough to the point where I don't feel like I can take him. I've already taken two wide receivers, so I don't want to say Seth Anderson. I may take some crap from the public. I may take some crap from you about this pick. And I'm going to preface this by saying he's not in a preseason all-conference player, and I think he's going to be. I think he's arguably be the second team. I'm going to go Eric All. He's new to Iowa system. And the reason why I'm saying he's a breakout player is because he's coming off that back injury and not a lot of people know what to kind of expect from him, even though he says he's 100% healthy, has that former connection with Cade McNamara. I think he can put up Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson caliber numbers. I think he and Luke Lachey are going to be really, really deadly uh, as a one-two combo with that tight end room. But I- I'm going to go Eric All. I'm really, really excited to watch him and what he can kind of do in Iowa system. So I would say him, if people don't like that, I'll go with, I'll go with Mason Richmond as kind of a backup fifth. If I have to throw in somebody else. That's I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that Mason Richmond pick there just cause you know, I, I mean, you just kind of seem to be the only guy that's, you know, stuck besides Jones is on the offensive line or yeah. like his position no, is already you. established. Um, so I wouldn't go with him, but you know, I, I guess I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that Eric all, I won't say it's kind of a cheat code, but I think given the injury and everything else, I, I, I could justify putting him there. Uh, but it's gonna be really interesting. I'm really, really excited for media day next Friday. I think this is the first time we'll really be able to kind of learn more about this year's team and really break down and get more in depth with some of the players. I mean, I'm really excited to talk to Cade McNamara. At an extended period of time. I'm, I'm excited to talk to Caleb Brown. I'm really excited, Sean, to talk to Brian Ferentz, quite frankly, because uh, I would encourage people to read the athletic Scott document, what he had a one-on-one with Brian. And look, Brian, Brian is rightfully criticized for a lot of what he does, but he's, he's always taking accountability and he doesn't shy away from the criticism. That's something that at least impresses me, at least based on his commentary to, to, to Scott and what he's done kind of with us, but I don't think there's a coordinator with more pressure entering this season in the country than Brian Ferentz. And I, I don't think I'm being, I don't think it's a hyperbole. I really think he knows he's under a lot of pressure. He's trying to shut down the noise. And uh, yeah, like I said, Sean, I'm just excited for the season to start. I, I really think it's going to be just a fun season riddled with storylines and more so than we I think have had for the past few years. 
Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to, you know, not <clears throat> talk about a a crummy offense for most of the year and you know, yeah. I'm 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 interested to see the change because I feel like every week, you know, we talked about the same thing. And obviously that's just doing our job, but like it just got repetitive over and over again. And I'm really interested to see, you know, what changes are made, you know, how those changes are made, how they kind of impact everything, you know, what these impact the transfers could have. Because like you said, Dave, like these transfers performing well could really have an effect, you know, on how Iowa, you know, continues to, you know, use the transfer portal in future years. Obviously, they're always going to build their the program through the high school classes and, you know, do it that way. But you still got to add to the roster and, you know, yeah. using the portal as a tool especially if successful, then that's going to be something that Iowa continues to explore for the next couple of years. Plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to continue to turn out this podcast this year. I, I'm just, like I said, I'm excited to hopefully not watch the 130th ranked offense. And I really hope that people can see more storylines than simply, you know, Brian Ferentz week after week after week. It was just getting so, so much fatigue, I think. And of course it's hard to ignore, uh, but yeah. We'll, we'll be back soon. Be sure to follow us at Hawkeyes on 247, at SBOC 247, and at David Eichel. And be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth analysis in the market. And again, 75% off an annual subscription. That deal will expire at 11 p.m. Thursday, August 3rd. So be sure to tune in then. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.